Hello, and welcome to Listen to Your Heart, the podcast where we explore the clinical management of high-risk patients with established cardiovascular disease in the context of the latest Canadian Cardiovascular Society guidelines. I'm your host, George Thanasoulis, and with me on the program today is Dr. Sean Goodman. Dr. Goodman is a cardiologist and associate head in the Division of Cardiology, Department of Medicine at St. Michael's Hospital, a professor of medicine at the University of Toronto, and an adjunct professor of medicine at the University of Alberta. Welcome, Sean. Thanks so much, George. Appreciate the opportunity. So as you know, today, Sean, we're going to be talking about the patient who's had previous bypass surgery and how this is a a particular high-risk patient population where um, highly intensive therapy uh, has shown uh, benefit. So maybe just to start off, Sean, um, how have the uh, updated guidelines changed your practice in terms of lipid management in the uh, uh, post-cabbage surgery patient? George, what I really like about the uh, guidelines is that there's a a big emphasis on identifying, selecting individuals, particularly those uh, who are in the secondary prevention camp. They've already manifested with clinical atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and identifying them because we now have information about non-statin therapies added to statin treatment uh, to derive even larger absolute benefits from that intensification of therapy, including azetamibe and PCSK9 inhibitors. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that was one of the main goals that we tried to do here is is really focus people's attention to these high-risk patients and really um, also get people to understand this new concept of uh, treatment intensification thresholds. And primarily, you know, the, the, this, this move to treatment intensification thresholds of an LDL of 1.8 um, or above and a um, uh, ApoB of 0.7 uh, or above. So those groups would be patients where we'd want to intensify uh, therapy as much as possible. So why do you think the um, post-cabbage patient is at such high risk and uh, really requires treatment intensification. I think in most cases, folks that have undergone uh, bypass surgery have extensive uh, atherosclerosis. And it's unusual, I would say, these days, uh, for example, for a single vessel, unless it's maybe the left main disease, uh, for a single vessel a patient uh, in, the, uh, in the PCI, in the percutaneous coronary intervention stenting era um, uh, to, to uh, you know, undergo surgery. So uh, by definition, most patients who have had bypass surgery have fairly extensive disease in their major epicardial arteries. And as we know, of course, that's really just a marker for uh, what's a very diffuse uh, disease. So if, if they've already got significant obstructions in uh, two or three or more of the major vessels and or branches, uh, then their disease is quite extensive. And it's probably not even limited, uh, unfortunately, to the coronary tree. It, uh, it, it's probably in other vascular territories as well. So I think all of these things sort of conspire against uh, folks who have had prior bypass surgery in terms of being at a high risk. And then maybe one other point um, is that we maybe get a little bit uh, complex patient and uh, you know the patient uh, might feel like they've been fixed <laughs> that their uh, that their bypass operation has uh, you know solved the problem uh, when indeed uh, you know we need if anything even more aggressive uh, a lowering of LDL cholesterol because they now have conduits uh, that uh, you know bypass grafts that are that are not going to last as long as uh, their own native arteries in, in terms of uh, providing uh, adequate blood supply to the myocardium and, and I think we've learned uh, uh, you know, from, from the outcome trials, for example, Odyssey Outcomes, um, you know, we pre-specified 
that uh, we were going to look at uh, patient subgroups according to how uh, whether they had revascularization in the past or not. I helped to lead a paper that we published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology in 2019, where we categorized the post-ACS 19,000 patient odyssey outcome patient population into those who had never had bypass or, or never had bypass surgery. That was about 17,000 of the almost 19,000. Those that had bypass surgery after presenting to hospital with the acute coronary syndrome, the MI or unstable angina that qualified them for our Odyssey outcomes trial, but before they were actually randomized because we waited until they'd had all their procedures and uh, randomized them no sooner than a month after their uh, acute coronary syndrome. That was just over a thousand patients. And then there are, of course, people who had had a cabbage in the past, for whatever reason, before the qualifying acute coronary syndrome, uh, about another thousand patients. And we showed, of course, that the regardless of the prior cabbage sort of category, the benefits of PCSK9 inhibition with alirocumab compared to placebo were, were very consistent uh, for major adverse cardiovascular event reduction, uh, similar to the overall trial uh, results, you know, about a 15% relative risk reduction over a median follow-up of a, uh, just under three years. And we also saw a numeric reduction uh, in all-cause mortality, mainly driven by cardiovascular mortality. So the, the, the uh, benefits of alirocumab compared to placebo were seen in each of those categories, whether you had no prior cabbage, whether you had cabbage after the qualifying uh, ACS, or whether you had a cabbage in the remote past. But because the individuals who had had, for example, prior bypass were at such high risk, the absolute risk reductions uh, were, were quite striking. So for example, in that group, we saw an absolute risk reduction of almost six and a half percent for MACE and almost 4% for mortality. So absolute differences between alirocumab and, and placebo. And if you look at sort of the number needed to treat over just under three years, those numbers needed to treat to prevent one MACE was as little as about 15, 16 patients to prevent MACE and uh, as little as about 28 patients to treat uh, with alirocumab um, uh, to prevent a, a death. And so I, I think this is a particularly high risk uh, group, those with prior cabbage uh, that uh, derive even uh, greater absolute benefits from intensification. Yeah, I think that's fascinating, Sean. And, you know, I think your point about disease being, you know, very diffuse and, and, and also not just um, in the, in the uh, coronary tree, um, which has been bypassed, but also beyond the coronary tree uh, into the carotids and elsewhere. And we know these patients have a tendency to have a higher risk of stroke and other things. So really to, to properly manage your patient, even though you've, so, you've bypassed the, 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 the lesions uh, at the time of surgery, uh, these patients are still at a very high uh, risk of, of, of vascular uh, events uh, from, from both coronary and non-coronary um, events. And I think, you know, the, the fact that, that you can get NNTs down to, you know, 15 um, just, you know, totally highlights how important it is to manage these patients uh, aggressively uh, and use, you know, either, uh, um, you know, PCSK9 inhibitor to do that. So, so I think that's, that's, that's really interesting uh, data that you presented. Um, perhaps just to end off, Sean, um, you know, what would you recommend to listeners as a uh, practical approach uh, to the management of the uh, post-bypass surgery patient? 
I think it's really critical to impress upon the patients and their family that with all due respect to the surgeons, and they're fantastic, uh, but this is really a palliative procedure. In other words, uh, you know, they're rerouting, they're doing some fancy plumbing. And again, I'm not trying to minimize it. It can be life-saving, but it does not fix or alter really in any way the underlying pathophysiology that's going to unfortunately lead to them having to have another procedure, um, which they definitely want to avoid, especially bypass surgery uh, or another cardiovascular event or hospitalization. And and so uh, we really need to enhance their awareness so that they appreciate how critical it is uh, that secondary prevention therapy reduce that residual risk as much as possible, which of course includes intensification uh, lipid modifying uh, therapies. So that's that's the sort of approach that, that, that I take. Uh, and, and then of course, uh, you know, at, at the healthcare system level, um, uh, you know, these numbers needed to treat that I quoted makes this a very cost-effective and potentially in some cases, cost savings approach from a sort of payer and societal perspective um, beyond the, indiv- uh, the for the individual patients and their quality of life and all the other uh, uh, important things. So I think it's in our best interest um, as not only taxpayers, um, but also uh, as healthcare providers to recognize uh, that this particular group of individuals, those with prior cabbage, where we've already invested so much in them, and I'm not just talking financially, um, uh, but uh, uh, you know, in, in, in trying to, you know, reduce their risk that we, we can't stop short here. We need to really be aggressive in, in, in lowering uh, their, uh, their LDL, their uh, non-HDL, their apolipoprotein B. Yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic point, Sean. You know, I think these patients clearly are resource intensive, they're cost intensive, yeah. um, and, and, you know, they, they, they require a lot of care from a number of different people. Um, so it, it really does make sense to go that extra step uh, and, and really aggressively manage their lipids to try to prevent uh, future uh, car- cardiovascular events, especially uh, with those, those really large absolute risk reductions uh, that, you, that you quoted. So Sean, I wanna thank you for, for bringing that, that you know, um, really interesting uh, piece of uh, data to this discussion today. Um, I also wanna thank our listeners for tuning in to listen to your heart po- podcast. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed our discussion of the uh, post-cabbage surgery patient. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases.